Welcome to Occult of Personality, esoteric podcast extraordinaire at occultofpersonality.net. I'm your host, Greg Kaminsky, and your co-host is Rudolf Berger. This is episode number 187, featuring an interview with Helene M. Arts and Gabriel McCaffrey to discuss Anathema Publishing and the new edition of Pillars, The Scalding of Sapientia. A Cult of Personality podcast is made possible by you, the listeners, and by the subscribers to chamberofreflection.com, our membership site, as well as all those who support us via Patreon. A Cult of Personality podcast is also sponsored by Miskatonic Books, an online store that focuses on the esoteric, occult, ceremonial magic, Freemasonry, Rosicrucianism, witchcraft, the Golden Dawn, as well as dark fantasy, classic horror, and supernatural fiction. They carry books by all your favorite esoteric publishers as well. Just visit MiskatonicBooks.com. Temple of Thelema is a true outer order of the greater mysteries, providing ceremonial initiation, structured training, and regular group work, all in conformity with the principles of the Book of the Law. An investment of time, effort, and commitment is expected from each member. Each is expected to aspire fervently to the great work, to dare with courage undaunted, to perfect that work and ever to apply his or her best effort to effect harmony within the order and within the world in general. Founded in service to the AA, College of Thelema seeks to guide the student to an understanding of the law of Thelema. Most especially, this means a deeper understanding of oneself and of one's true will. A combination of instruction techniques is employed, including seminars, written texts, and individual work. For over 40 years, College of Thelema has published journals in the Continuum and Black Pearl, as well as several books on occult subjects maintaining high standards in Thelemic education. Visit Temple of Thelema at www.thelema.org. Anathema Publishing Limited, Quality Occult Books and Contemporary Esoterica. Established in 2011, Anathema Publishing aims to provide superior literature in content and form by creating a trinosophic relationship in troth and gabo between publisher, author, and reader. Anathema Publishing produces refined books for the true bibliophile on topics ranging from Gnosticism, traditional craft, alchemy, hermeticism, witchcraft, to Luciferian theosophy. 
www.anathemapublishing.com. Now, in episode number 187, we're joined by Gabriel McCoffrey, the founder and operator of Anathema Publishing, and Helene M. Arts. Gabriel edited and curated Pillars. Both he and Helene's writing is featured in it. You can find Anathema Publishing online at www.anathemapublishing.com. Allow me to congratulate Gabriel on another marvelous tome from Anathema. The New Pillars is a thing of beauty containing many excellent essays and several standouts, uh, including Craig Williams' two essays, Helene's contribution, which she talks about during our interview, all of Gabriel's written and visual pieces, uh, Wagner's essay, and Carl Abrahamson's The Megagollum is Alive and Well. The covers of the book are magnificently conceived and executed, and perhaps most importantly, Pillars is an ongoing endeavor that provides both a stimulus and a container for esoteric expression, honoring that which shines in the dark enshrining it in written form. If you don't have a copy, you should. Anathema Publishing has established a solid record for exceptional books over the past few years, and this is one of the best. So, how are you guys doing? Doing well. How are you doing? Uh, oh, we're good. You have no idea. We, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, there's, it's a, you know, we're connecting more and more, bonding more and more. Yeah. Uh, just, uh, just came back from Witch Hollow, which, uh, you know, is a land that uh, a land here owns, and it's a uh, pretty secluded, uh, woodsy uh, temple and everything you want. And pretty much, is, <laughs> it's a it's a mini uh, paradise or <laughs> like a garden of Eden or something. <laughs> Loved it. Great, that's yeah. excellent. Could you we talk? Have a, could you talk a little bit more about it? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, the the location, the exact location of it, is kept secret. It doesn't uh, yeah. even show up. <laughs> it doesn't even show up on a GPS, which is wasn't planned, but you know, adds that air of mystery to it. <laughs> and there's no internet connection. Oh, else you create one out of yeah, yeah, no internet connection. Right, yeah. So basically, um, it is uh, it's located in uh, an area called Lanark Highlands. Uh, if you're if you're in the Ottawa area, then that's about uh, an hour, an hour and a half um, west north of Ottawa. And uh, the, the land itself uh, was owned by a woman uh, who was very well known in the pagan community uh, in uh, in this area. Uh, she she bought it about uh, 40, 45 years ago, and it was the home of of her covenstead, uh, the coven of the silver wheel. And as far as uh, as far as anybody knows, that was the longest running coven and covenstead, uh, in, at least in Canada. And uh, it was also the birthplace of uh, an annual pagan gathering that's called a kaleidoscope gathering. That's what it's called today. Um, it, it did start off on on her land, though. Um, and, you know, over the years grew and grew and grew and, and then had to 
to relocate to a few different uh, places as it became larger and larger. So today it's the, the largest pagan gathering that happens annually in Canada. But the birthplace was uh, was actually on the land that I now call Witch Hollow that I bought uh, three years ago. Hmm. Yeah, so it's about uh, 20, 25 acres uh, in the woods and a very old pioneer long home. I think it's 1845, something like that. And uh, there are structures uh, on the lands uh, which have been turned into, one of those has been an old barn that's been turned into a temple. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that's a lot of fun to use. <laughs> and basically, you know, from the time that it changed hands from Gina to me, which was three years ago, uh, I, I, I did promise to her uh, to carry on the ecological and spiritual uh, tradition of the place. Uh, so, you know, there's no, no, nothing that's being put up on the property that, that has, you know, any toxic or plastic or anything like that is, uh, uh, rejected, <laughs> and the use the, the place is used specifically for magical work. Yeah, and I can tell you guys, I can assess to this now, having been, it is truly a magical place, and it was very conducive to uh, just amazing bonding and ritual experience, and uh, and yeah, so as you can, you know, with a premise like that, who wouldn't be interested in visiting, right? <laughs> I, was, right. Like, I was blown away. I want to move there, actually. <laughs> do they do um, offerings to the land spirits? Yes, uh, which which may sound uh, a little off kilter from uh, the last conversation that we had, uh, wherein we were talking about the left-hand path. <laughs> mm-hmm. But actually, it's not. They're not mutually exclusive. Uh, so yes, offering to the land spirits and um, the place itself is very active in terms of, uh, shall we say, non-human entities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, you can feel it too. And, uh, uh, but it's a very welcoming uh, kind of energy mm-hmm. uh, in a way. Uh, and just given like the, we're a few people there uh, and all of us have somewhat similar uh, pathways and leanings. But at the same time, uh, yeah, we just, uh, we make it so that it seems like it's working despite the tradition, right? Mm-hmm. Like there was like really a synthesis of ideas uh, going on. So it's a very creative space. Um, so I'm willing to go back anytime really and just try stuff, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That's so awesome. Sure. Yeah. Well, I would like to ask you, Helen, you just mentioned it's far off from what you were about last time. And then you said, no, it isn't. And right. I fully <laughs> agree with you. I fully agree with you. But could you still expand a little bit of that? Why it is not something different for you, and why is it not in opposition for you? Sure. Well, okay. Let, let's look at it this way. We'll look at it just in terms of a, a philosophical approach to life, or a philosophical framework within which uh, you know we we go about our daily lives. So when I when I refer to the left hand path, and I think many many thinkers say this. What I'm what I am referring to is that we're not saying that there is nothing other than uh, this life, right? There are some people on the left-hand path who say that, but that, that's not what I'm saying. So this isn't necessarily all there is to life. Meaning, it is quite possible that um, you know we'll come back. It's quite possible that we've been here before. It's quite possible that we will go uh, and continue on in some other form. The bottom line is that. It is all a hypothesis. We uh-huh. don't 
right? We Boy, yeah, boys we, too we, to personal choice, really. Right. Well, we don't. The bottom line is we don't know. So the left-hand path thinking doesn't necessarily say that there isn't anything other than this. Um, it also doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't other beings out there <laughs> than human beings. In fact. I would say it'd be quite a stretch of the imagination to say that there is nothing other than us. <laughs> that doesn't, you know, that doesn't make a lot of sense. And it's, yeah. it's pretty egotistical and, and, you know, bordering on rampant arrogance, possibly. <laughs> uh, so that it's quite possible that there are other beings that are, you know, living on the land and we can call them land spirits. And since they're there and we're, uh, you know, using their space or at least sharing it with them, uh, then just like we would any mm. other neighbor that mm -hmm. is a human mm. being, let, let's treat them with respect, right? Yeah. It's not dismissive of the other, and despite your definition of the other, uh, let's just put it this way. Yeah, right? that's right. Yeah. And so, Nothing you know... it would be quite boring if there were no other beings around. Oh, that's such a good point. <laughs> <laughs> there goes the mystery, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But really, the differentiation would be, you know, the question is not whether or not are there other beings. You know, the question is not necessarily, you know, do, do we exist in other ways and other lives, all of that. The question is, who is responsible for this one? Okay. And so that's where the left hand path thinking comes in that it's, it's, you can interact with other beings, but not to, you know, not to plead, not to ask, not, not to, you know, give offerings and so on and so forth to get help because you need it. And that's the really big difference. I think with the left hand path thinking is there's an acknowledgement that there could be other entities, beings out there and, and we can enter into communication with them and, uh, you know, you know, learn from them, get something. But we're fine on our own. <laughs> we don't have yeah. to. Right. Yeah, at the end of the day, you are on your own. Right. Uh, yes. Right. With the more, ex you know, certainly if we go extreme right hand path thinking, you're damned if on your own right right we look at religious systems we take your pick right you're not good enough on your own and you need the other oh, you're beings by default. right they, they, you're born that way and you need the other beings to either save you or to make you better or or all of that stuff and that's a really big difference between the right and the left hand path yeah. So you can have land spirits and you can you can communicate with them and 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 offer them respect uh, but you're still responsible for your life. Mm -hmm. And that's that's why they're not contradictory. <laughs> I want to thank you formally for joining us today, Helene and Gabriel. It's great to speak with you both at the same time, no less. So thank you for arranging this. Thank you. Well, thanks to you. Seriously. Uh, I mean, I'm super happy just that we get to talk again. Uh, haven't met, you know, like a few months back, not even. Um, yeah, so it's a great opportunity. Very happy to engage with uh, Rudolph, you know, uh, as well. Uh, yeah, this is great. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. So um, since Helene has been on uh, once prior, um, maybe, Gabriel, you could just introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your work to uh, the listeners. Sure. Uh, well, you know, uh, my business or let's say like uh, my day-to-day -day activity and work is now more than ever uh, deeply tied in with of course my spiritual practice but um, what am I or just 
just a human being or just a pilgrim on the path, like really uh, an interested individual who's uh, constantly a seeker. Uh, and it just so happened that it crystallized in my life uh, through various degree of apotheosis and revelation and and um, uh, weird experiences that, you know, uh, I could have easily dismissed or attribute meaning to, uh, which led me on this path that I'm now constantly discovering, so always in a somewhat of a self-initiated state. Uh, and um, a few years back, um, well, you know, uh, a few years back, I was a musician on the road all the time. So it seemed like the, the noise, literally the noise of this life, uh, prevented me from having uh, enough time to reflect about my life in general up to this point. And, but as soon as I took a firm decision to distance myself from, from this kind of life, uh, I thought it was going to be like, oh, okay, so I'm, I'm going towards, uh, I hate saying this in this term, but maybe the boring life or let's say like the normal life. And I was a bit unsure because like up to this point, everything that was my passion was about music and artistic expression. And um, yeah, apparently uh, spirituality does something to you. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, it, it almost like uh, re-uplifted my entire passion for life and the beyond and everything. And that tied in with a lot of experiences I've actually talked with uh uh, with Alex not too long ago on the Glitch Bottle podcast, but I had some experience as a young man that um, in the back I was always leaning toward the arcane and toward the mysterious, and it just solidified once I had time uh, and a bit more money, I guess, yes, to invest into study and um, be more focused about that. That led to me traveling the world uh, and then having even more revelation, even more uh, crucial moment, angular points in my development to eventually have the idea uh, to start Anathema Publishing. Um, that came about because simply as a writer, uh, I don't consider myself a writer really, but I write. So let's put it this way. Uh, I, I was writing a lot of the experience uh, down. I used to write lyrics before, of course, but always like uh, filled with symbolism, always like trying to tie in with uh, theological concepts and uh, esoteric, you know, patterns and stuff like that. Um, and through the years, of course, I started practicing what I was studying uh, up to the point where uh, somewhere in Thailand uh, came to me the entire, let's say, idea of the ecosystem of Anatema Publishing that I wanted to create, which means, of course, at face value, it's only like a publishing house uh, dealing with the occult. But to me, there is a specific uh, triune interrelationship happening there. I really wanted to create something special based on my take on somewhat of a holy trinity between customer, publisher, and author or artist. And based off of that, I designed, you know, the logo and and I, I got it made onto, into a stone stamp. Uh, that became something real. I came back home and did um, the rest is history, really. I mean, uh, to dig deeper, well, since then, since 2011, Anatoma Publishing is a very DIY endeavor, uh, something I pour my all into, uh, which leads me to 
meet wonderful people such as Elan mm -hmm. and uh, to go to conferences and start to engage really. And given the fact that this takes a lot of time, this takes a lot of energy, this takes a, a lot of all of my money, everything goes into this. I made it my life sacrifice, uh, and it's a virtue I'm like very proud uh, to work on each and every day. Well, um, how can I say this? This changed me a lot, so it became an alchemical working in and of itself. Mm -hmm. That work, instead of trying to say like, oh, I got my work on the side, I got the passion on the side, and I jam with the band on the weekend. Well, no, I flipped the entire story over on, onto his head and tried to compact everything into this harmonious relationship. So there's no differentiation between work, spiritual practice, passion, love, all of that is interconnected, interweaved, even friendship now, like everything. Uh, so yeah, I made it my life calling and hopefully uh, we'll see where that goes. Mm. Hope that that sounds great. Gabriel, may I ask you a very pragmatic, practical question regarding that? Because we who work in the occult or in the, in the spiritual paths of life meet many people and also certainly it is true for many of us as well, uh, who, as you said so nicely, are prevented by the noise of life to do what a real call is in the first place mm. and they would like to do exactly what you did but how do you make that change happen what did you have to sacrifice how did it all start off because it's those first paths those first steps i want to say who are so difficult for many and oh, wow. most of those who would love to do it maybe not even all spiritual but just get out of the noise of life they are not able to. So what was it that kept you on the path and what did you need, sacrifice or anything else, I don't know, from your uh, end? Mm -hmm. Well, this is a gigantic question, uh, of course. Uh, it's so hard. And do three podcasts of that. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's very difficult just from, from being on the, the first person perspective and trying to kind of like re kind of like look at my or my path from a third person angle and, and look upon the whole and say like, okay, which are, what were the stepping stones? Because it's not just one thing. Of course, it's a multitude of tiny little things that accumulated through the years. If I try to boil it down to, uh, let's say, uh, a key principle or a word of power and something I've discussed uh, quite often actually is resilience. And resilience, I don't believe I just had in me uh, as uh, by default, perhaps, perhaps the seeds were there, but truly I learned that from my, uh, let's say, like a family upbringing uh, and uh, my past. Like, uh, I will not lie, uh, some, I will not, not name them per se, but a lot of people in my life impacted me with this amazing force, this uh, uh, insane resilience in face of adversity. Uh, so my upbringing was a very poor uh well, very poor. Everything is subjective, of course. Uh, Quebec-wise, you know, or from my province standard, I was way below poverty line, right? Uh, and, and, you know, raised by a single mother of, with three kids on her own. And she, um, 
she was, I guess, the first inspiration to just like see somebody strive even with nothing and, and doing an amazing job at just like raising those, uh, these three kids and sacrificing a lot herself. That took years even for me to see uh, that we, were, we had missed something because I never felt like we missed anything. So that was the magic, you know, that she was operating. So this resilience, of course, I guess, hopefully, uh, to some degree, passed on to me. Now, uh, challenges and the way you get punched in the face by life sometime, literally or metaphorically, um, will will uh, you'll learn a lot about yourself. Unfortunately, those lessons, uh, some people um, understand very quickly, like a child who's uh, who's crying all the time, and nobody tells him that you're not gonna. Well, if you cry, we're just gonna ignore you. All right. They think they have a power when they uh, turn into what I call the victim mode. All right. So playing the victim uh, all the time uh, means that you glorify uh, the hardships that you had. Uh, and, and not in a constructive way, meaning like that's pretty much what I would be doing right now. I did have some hardship that I learned a lot from, but I wasn't playing the victim. I wasn't like uh, letting myself down and bringing this up all the time. I saw them as stepping stone, as in like, okay, well, how am I going to get back on my feet from this one? All right. Or uh, so just like, uh, so not wanting to go too much into detail, but let's paint a, a broad picture where violence was a part of it, uh, lack of money was a part of it, uh, bad, bad life decisions were definitely a part of it too. Uh, and nonetheless, I strived. Nonetheless, I pushed on, pushed forward all the time, which got me to reinvent myself um, uh, more so than, uh, than never. So that I was, I feel like uh, I've lived, it's easy to say, I was talking, you know, yesterday about this, but um, it, it feels like I, I've lived a multitude of life in this one life incarnation. But that's just like a fancy way for me to say that, in all honesty, it just feels like there's definite points where even though I remain myself, I truly built upon the foundation I had to deconstruct. And isn't that, metaphorically speaking again, an alchemical uh, process? that whole creation and deconstruction all the time. So resilience through that process of reinventing yourself all the time. And when I'm talking about specific, if you really want to go specific sacrifices that I had to make, well, how about like choosing, uh, you know, quite openly, um, uh, I still consider myself pretty young. I'm 37 years old, but you know, it's still a choice not to have a family of my own right now. It was uh, my own decision of not to, you know, buy a house too early, uh, uh, invest into, uh, like contracting a lot of debt. All right, because some yeah, people yeah. Don't have a choice. All right, some people don't have a choice. But I did yeah. have some massive debt at one time in my life because of bad life choices and not knowing how finances work at all. And then eventually, I I grew tired. I grew tired of that uh, Damocles Damocles dagger uh, on top of me. Uh, just like in the way all the time of my projects and dreams. So, so I just like uh, tied, uh, I don't even know if that's an expression in English, but I tied my belt. Uh, Tighten like, tighten your belt. I, I tightened my belt uh, to, to make it so that I would have a definite plan to get out of debt. That was the first thing. I would say that was like everybody that asked me, oh, how, how you started publishing out, get rid of debt. <laughs> just do that first. And you have no idea how much you can do with this. Meaning I don't hold much, guys. 
Like that's just the reality in my, I have a tiny, tiny apartment. Uh, everything's in there. The, the, uh, the, uh, the altar and the practicing space is in there, but also like the office space. And, uh, and it's a, yeah, it's a tiny apartment that I share with my lady. And, um, and uh, yes, everything else, everything else is by now I can say it's paid for, but I don't own a car. I don't have a family yet. Uh, I don't, um, I don't own, uh, I'm still renting. Uh, so a lot of things like that, They're, these are small details you'll say, but I just purposely yeah. decided that instead of getting the new car of the, of the day, that I was like gonna pour all my money into a, a potential business, yes, but really something I was just passionate about. I had no idea back in 2012 when I first released the first Pillars periodical that this was gonna lead to something greater. And and of course it did. So that's that's uh, yeah. So yeah, uh, thank you. But I don't think they are tiny bits at all. I think they are the key. Yes, yeah, yeah they are key. They are. They are. Yeah. Definitely. <clears throat> yeah, you just said you mentioned uh, the first pillars, and uh, one of the reasons we wanted to talk with you now is because uh, you have a new edition of pillars coming up. Isn't that right? Uh, yeah, that is correct. And uh, one that I would have, uh, um, let's say, um, optimistically speaking, uh, that was one that was on my mind for such a long time. Uh, meaning like, um, and I do the same with the lyrics, even with my pen to this day. Sometimes I write way too much in advance. And the same goes for a concept. Meaning like uh, I was trying my hand at self-publishing at creating something out of nothing with the first pillars, trying to contact authors and artists with no name for myself. So meaning just an idea and see if the idea would resonate enough with people. And uh, fortunately it did. And I got, I got just enough submission to create something and it started from there, but it was like really step by step. But in so doing, like I had the first theme for the first pillar and I had like at least three or four other teams that I wanted to exploit because as a seeker myself or as a, as a you know, I refer to myself often as like a, an eternal student, if you will, uh, because eternal in this sense that even though there might be a sense of progression, well, I refuse to sit on this. So that means like uh, in my head, it's perfectly noble to be an eternal student. And that's what I want to engage. That's I want to learn of not only people, but experience and everything like that. And even what, what I talk about sometimes, I'm way more interested in how this is getting, getting distilled through something else or someone else and comes back. Mm. Uh, weirdly enough. Anyway, so uh, to answer your question, uh, since the very first pillars, I had this idea of a potential standalone edition eventually that would really be the overarching principle of what Luciferianism could be about so i'm not saying it, it definitely puts the nail on onto an actual definition because i think it's pretty somewhat loose uh and purposely so perhaps but it's something that's very dear to my heart the the archetype or, or uh deity uh, whatever you want to call it or refer to of lucifer is, is super important to me it's central actually to my practice and, and so um i wanted to dedicate a standalone edition completely to that uh, force, if you will. And at the same moment, well, what was gonna be the theme about? What would people like uh, share? What I wanted to be a bit more, I wanted it to be a bit more intimate. 
And I wanted like a direct insight into precisely the question that you just asked me. Like, what had you sacrificed? What have you sacrificed uh, on this path? I was more curious about the upheavals and the uphill battle, and and the fact that let's put it this way: in order to learn normally about a certain topic or esoteric subject or what have you, of course we refer to mentors. Will will purchase books that are written from a perspective of someone who seems, or, or at least at surface level, that has achieved uh, something, and then you you learn through that whole beautiful process of grammar, or that that is fully formed. The idea is fully formed. It's out there f to inspire anyone, or even try to walk the same footsteps. But I, I was, you know, we all know it's not that pretty. <laughs> it can be messy. It could be. Uh, it could be. Uh, frustrating. It, it can, uh, and the same thing that I just told you guys when I said you learn a lot, a lot about your hardship. Uh, sometimes you you see you know uh, ceremonial magicians uh, sharing about these kind of quirky uh, things and kind of failures. They'll write about it in their blogs, or you know they'll post about it online. Now we, we're pretty fortunate to have this insight, but I wanted to do a standalone edition that explain especially that. What had you sacrificed, and what was the hardship you had to overcome to quote unquote overcome fate? But yeah, mm -hmm. uh, in order to make it so that, um, yes, the structure might be crumbling once in a while, but that just showed you that you needed to use better, more, you know, uh, or better cement, uh, if, if you understand the, the, the metaphor I'm using here. So it's just like a way to like infuse this with actual uh, life experience and, and kind of like, yes, there's uh, indeed there is this uplifting note at the end that those people still push on and they, they're still there to write about the experience. And, and, and these are people like where I'm thankful to learn from also. And it shows me that we're all, yes, in that regard, we are all human. Uh, even mentors will admit to like having struggled and, and that makes it for such a fiery perspective. So the entire standalone edition, which is called The Scalding of Sapiencia, because oh, I'll choose Sapiencia because whether it's a key principle or a divinity, uh, wisdom, Sophia, whatever you want to call it, Gnosis, that thing, that intangible thing that you want to give form to in your practice or not, uh, depending on the leaning, well, this really bears its its weight of pain and that'll you'll be scalded by that you know you'll be burned because like the alchemical fire the only way to push through is actually to crank up the fire so it's incinerating and the, no wonder like i can hardly recognize who the person i was before because cranking up the fire will do some massive rejuvenation but at the same moment, if you cling onto something at the specific still now, in this in the still now, then of course you're gonna feel that pain even more so, and perhaps you're gonna that's where you, where you're gonna be like you're you'll start to be in that state stasis mode, you know, and you won't move anymore. And we all know that motion is friction, and that creates the energy. So that's pretty much the whole theme in a nutshell. Of course, the way I go about devising themes, I just 
write down a couple of lines, talk to people, and throw that in the world and see what comes out of that. And I receive beautiful, amazing submissions. Sometimes it's a bit, you know, uh, askew. Sometimes it has nothing to do with the, the concept of, uh, of, of the book. So uh, unfortunately, I have to kind of like, uh, you know, refuse, uh, I guess. Or, yeah, I'm sort yeah. of delicately. Yeah, delicately, <laughs> kind of like, yeah, perhaps, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Ed edited. And, oh, it sounds nice. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you. Thank you for this, uh, Ellen, uh, for stepping in. But so, yeah, that's, uh, that, that's it, guys. It's like I, I love creating the, the, these small ideas that are by all no means like uh, so original. It's just the, the fact that to have somebody who creates that debate, create that discussion. Like, uh, if you go to the website, uh, yeah, I'll plug it, but really quickly, anatomapublishing.com, and if you go into the About section, well, I was pretty happy with the way I phrased the, the purpose of Pillars and how it's an open, uh, neutral platform of expression for everybody who's remotely interested in spirituality and all those guys can go in and, and attack any team that I, that I give from so many angles. And that's why I keep on going back to them and being surprised and even shocked sometimes that people have, have these opinions and, and uh, yeah, and life experience. So that's pretty much it. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a really unique uh, opportunity for people and a really great thing you're doing, especially as a series. So, Helene, do you have you had a contribution to this edition of Pillars, right? Yes, uh, you know, and I'm going to link it link it back to uh, what Gabriel was talking about earlier uh, with respect to resiliency. Um, it, you know, and that, I think that's part of the reason why he and I get each other at a very profound level. Because uh, although I'm not old enough to be his mother, <laughs> uh, I, you know, was through very tragic and sad circumstances. Uh, I raised three children on my own. Um, and so, you know, we, we kind of get each other on, yeah. on that level. And, uh, for me, it was, it was about, you know, even, even doing that, that in itself is a full-time job and no complaints at all, because it was every moment of it was glorious. But I, I realized, uh, very early on that, um, I would have to do something extraordinary to, to pull myself, uh, above the situation that, that I was in. Um, you know, without just, oh, I don't know, marrying a wealthy man or something, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I was raising these children and I was in school and um, I had my own business. And, uh, you know, anyway, long story short, you know, looking back at that, that whole uh, journey, you know, I ended up with, uh, with a master's degree and um, I'm a, a mediator by profession. And I've written, co-written a couple of books in that field and, uh, you know, bought Witch Hollow and like really, you know, pretty cool stuff given, yeah. given, given the amount of work that was already on my plate. Um, and that, that was due to sacrifices, you yeah. know, I didn't yeah. go out, I didn't spend money on things. Um, that resiliency was something that I didn't know I, what it what I was doing at the time, but, but that's what was building, uh, you know, the whole way through. And then what happened is that, um, Gabriel and I met each other at Flambeau Noir, right? Mm -hmm. So, 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 uh, there was a connection there with, with, uh, Shani Oates 
And uh, the whole thing just blended together beautifully. And I gave a talk at Flambeau Noir. And the talk there was uh, about an it was called an existential crisis on the left-hand path. And uh, so I don't remember if if I approached Gabriel or he approached me or he, you approached me. Okay, yeah. And said, hey, this would be a, a great addition to uh, the scalding of Sapientia. Would you be interested? And oh, yep. yes, of course, I, I would love to do that. It was like right right there. You know, it was like it hit uh, the, the nail on the head, yeah. uh, as we say. And uh, so it's very apropos. But not only this, but on a personal level, uh, as Alain mentioned, there was something going on there. Uh, we knew we wanted to work together yeah. in uh, in a sense. She, she came to Montreal afterward, right? Mm-hmm. We had a we had a pint at a pub, and, and just like this, uh, started discussing so many um, potential projects too. So we won't get into that right now. But let's just say, like Alain is a prime example of uh, the life experience. And uh, that blends with the theme, the sacrifices, the jaifu, well, you know, the, that gift that you give the better part of yourself in order for it to grow. And then the fact of watching it grow actually is magic in the making all the time, right? And that comes back to you in various ways. But the way Alain approaches it is very uh, refreshing. And then again, very stern. Is that a good term? Yeah. Like it's very uh, there's a, there's a certain uh, depth to it that you you would not expect from uh, this uh, smiling lady like this, <laughs> but it you know truly it it is like a, as I've often joked, it is almost like an underdog type of like dialogue that you'll engage with people because at first they'll be on the fence, and that's exactly what I'll go for because it's not willfully, it's just like uh, willingly. I mean. Uh, wanting to create a malaise. The idea is just like, hey, you know, how am I going to shake things up a bit? Wake up uh, people and try to produce something that that really has it stand on its own as being something unique. And, and, and of course, I am t- uh, totally aware that uh, they're, 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 we have so many beautiful publishing houses out there. Uh, that create amazing. Uh, I was a fan, you know. I am a collector myself. I mean, like my my book collection is pretty much the only thing I own that I care about as far as objects are concerned. But you know, like also, how do, how do I connect with people to bring about something very different? And, and uh, in that regard, Elan is right on it. So yeah, <laughs> please continue because like that that subject is amazing. Well, it, it was a, a fantastic uh, opportunity for me because, in, you know, I, although I've co-authored uh, a couple of other books, they haven't been in the field of the occult. And uh, that's really where I want to be focusing everything moving forward. So I was delighted to do that. And, um, you know, we, we, we can get in a little bit into the topic. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know how you feel about that. Oh, no, please yeah. go ahead. Yeah, but go ahead. but go ahead. Is, that, is that even something that you want to, to take a look at, Greg and uh, Rudolph? Yeah, certainly we do. <laughs> Absolutely. So linking this back to what I was saying earlier uh, from, what, from what Gabriel said about resiliency and then, you know, my experiences with, with resiliency, um, at, 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 a, at a certain point in time, I entered into a nine-month working. Um, and you know how these magical things are. You, you can't really talk about who you did it with and <laughs> that sort of thing. Uh, but let's just say that it was a nine-month working. And uh, one of the aims of that working was uh, to 
really to lay yourself bare uh, and to strip yourselves of all, all your delusions and uh, all of that good stuff. Uh, so I had I came into it being you know very strong in terms of, of re- resiliency on the certainly on the mundane plane if I, I can put it on at that level um, uh, obviously many other levels too uh, but I had never done a magical working uh, to to lay my soul bare <laughs> and and uh, you know do do some work on that. And, and so that's what I became involved in. And be- before you knew it, I, I had what I'm calling a left, a le- an existential crisis on the left-hand path. And uh, it was a horrifying experience, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> it was, it, it, and I do talk about it. So that is my submission for... Um, we love the horror. <laughs> yeah, that's my submission for this Pillars. It, it describes what happened on this existential crisis that I had. Uh, because I really looked at the whole idea of right-hand path versus left-hand path. Do we need to even have those terms? Aren't they divisive? And, you know, all of that good stuff. And I came to a place philosophically where I, for me, I had to make a differentiation between the two. Um, now, making a differentiation between the two, what that meant for me was uh, that I, I had to acknowledge that there, there is no one's going to save me. You know, um, there, there, every, every single religious and spiritual framework that we have, and that includes every single left-hand path framework too, by the way, everything is a hypothesis in the end, right? Um, and, and isn't that scary too? Yeah, but that's terrifying. Yeah, terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was terrifying. It totally unhinged me <laughs> because I really had to, to face that one, you know. I mean, I naturally, I, I of course, I would much rather believe that, you know, there are gods or goddesses, entities, whatever name we want to give them that, that are there for me, that can support and help me, that will be there after I die. You know, we all want that reassurance. But the bottom line is that we don't know. We don't know how we got here. We don't know why we're here. And we don't know what happens when we leave. And it's a great, <laughs> great mystery. And, it's a great mystery, right? And, and funnily yeah. enough, and add to this, I mean, we uh, we get along so good, and but that is, that is still a point of very heated dialogue between the two of us because, of course, like uh, um, it'd be uh, easy from the get go to say, that, oh, then Gabriel must be left hand pad, but you know, like uh, I I've just finished writing my first book, well, actually uh, it was last November, um, and Shani did a wonderful preface, and you know, this is gonna become in the next year or, or so uh, we're going to be talking about this uh, perhaps then but uh it's an alchemical working and and so yeah like the whole differentiation of let's just say i perhaps this particular existential crisis i haven't had it yet for me uh, i have even a hard time wrapping my head right i do know academically speaking uh what the two terms infer but like for me, I, I usually completely outright dismiss both. Uh, uh, so yeah, so it's pretty uh, it's pretty fun even to know that we discuss this. And I'm not, uh, by all means, my opinion doesn't go like, oh, this makes no sense. I'm actually very curious to hear about it, and it sort of um, kind of loops on itself and creates something more. And, and and then again, like we're we're talking about pillars, we're talking about 
Ellen's contribution to it. But, you know, this is going to be massive. There's uh, uh, close to 30 contributors, uh, artists and authors. So that means for like it's going to be a pretty weighty, weighty tone. And I really... Uh, are, I, I really want to go the uh, full on like with this one. Uh, it's probably going to be like, I, I keep on saying this, of course, but it's a reality. I want to outdo myself all the time. So like uh, even aesthetic wise, I want to respect each and every contributor by producing a superb uh, book. Um, and of course, it's super meaningful to me, but it, it'd be, uh, be wrong of me to say that this uh, uh, each and every contributor's point of view uh is summed up by what I think about that. Of course, there's going to be a prefatory where I'm going to explain my take on it. But what what is fun about this concept is to see each and everybody like having this this different you know approach to it. Uh, and so like that 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 will be Elan's way of relating to the concept. But some people tackle the subject in so many uh, different ways and surprising ways that you know like. Uh, it's not a ch uh, choose and pick type of thing, but really it shows you the diversity of life experience and even uh, the beyond. And then, yeah, and then you want to talk about hypotheses when right there you're going to have a, an old array of hypotheses, <laughs> you know. So I think it's really going to be pretty interesting. <laughs> well, you know, hypoth hypotheses are great. They're they're uh, they're they're always, you know, they're always fascinating, right? It's, it's about the human mind and, and how we try to deal with the, uh, the fact that we're here and we don't actually have a user's manual, you know? <laughs> so, right. so, yeah. Um, I, I think, I think for me, one of, one of the, the important things, you know, coming out of the, the, the existential crises, um, was, uh, that magic, Okay, so so here's where we're coming to magic. Magic is is something that is uh, really um, sets us apart. Uh, so we're going to talk about magicians now, right? Sure. So okay, let's say we don't we don't you know we don't have any of those answers. There's no user's manual, uh, anything that purports to be a, you know a cosmic pilot or co-pilot. Um, is can only be a hypothesis, uh, or even more dangerous than that, right? Depending on um, how how much they insist that the, that that they're they've got the facts and that they're the, the truth. <laughs> uh, so, so given all of that, the thing is, we can still above and beyond the efforts that we could do in in our lives as human beings, we can still get more. Yeah, we can do magic. Yeah. Uh, we can we can affect our external uh, universe, um, you know, over and above what we need to do on our end, our, our side of the bargain. Uh, we can cause currents to, uh, you know, move move in our favor. Uh, we can cause all kinds of things to happen, um, and we can do the same thing. And we should, in my opinion, do the same thing inside. You know, we should be working on ourselves. Uh, that's the know thyself piece. Um, you know, even more than we work on the external universe. So more on the subject subjective universe more than the external. But that's that was the piece that really, you know, in the depths of of a really serious struggle about this. It was it was really hard. Um, then it, then the question became, well, what about magic? Then, hmm. you know, what's the point of it? 
if, if it isn't for something? <laughs> Are we just fooling ourselves? Are we deluding ourselves? Or does this shit actually work? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, if it works, then then we've got a jewel here. We've got we're holding a jewel and we probably don't, you know, we don't all realize it. Hence why and that's the point of being a magician, is hence that you realize it. Uh, occulted. Yes, yes, uh, exactly. And, yeah. and also would add to that that this really ties in with us something else that I've been working on for a long time. Uh, trying to map uh, somewhat like symbolically uh, more than anything else. Not only is it a cool metaphor, but it becomes a, a working tool. So I'm working on, the, on what I call the garden of the possible. And so everything that just uh, Ellen just said, like you're planting seed uh, inwardly, let's put it mm -hmm. this way, mm -hmm. inside at the beginning. And these as, uh, instead of trying to uh, directly affect cause and effect with direct outcome, like as you would go the traditional, let's quote unquote, the traditional route, the grimoric route, um, you plant those seeds, and like any seeds, they'll take on form, and you you half expect what the form will be, right? You're planting a seed for an apple tree, you expect an apple tree to grow. But you're planting those seeds in your own little garden of the possible, perhaps just, you know, the one uh, that we ended up right after we got expelled from said Eden or something. Mm -hmm. Anyway, but uh, so that new garden uh, that we're we have to take care of for ourselves, that we have to mend for ourselves. Uh, mend is that yeah you know, or till? Uh, mm -hmm. um, so we're planting those seeds inwardly. These grow. These grow massive branches. They they grow into something massive that is way bigger than you. So it radiates. Let's put it this way. It radiates out like outwardly. Um, and sometimes you'll find yourself surprised. You'll be like, oh, well, okay, this doesn't have the form I was somewhat expecting. But you'll be like, oh, it's okay. Uh, that thing, I believe, gives fruit, right? And then as if you were to start back again, the entire process of evolution, you'll dig into, like, uh, you'll bite into that fruit and hope for the best. Uh, that thing can be life-saving, save you. So meaning you planted a thing a long time ago, and now it's supposed to be sustenance. But sustenance can turn into poison if you don't know. It was beautiful to look at. It's poisonous. Right? Now, would the cause and effect stop there? Of course not. If you don't die of that one experience into biting into something that looked delicious and was supposed to be substance and then was subsequently poisoned, well, perhaps you'll develop like antibodies. Perhaps you won't do that again and so forth and so forth. So you can see where I'm going with this, trying to map these contemplative mystical experience and really trying to go back at the root of the self by mending and by uh, seeding that garden of the possible for myself. Uh, that also is perhaps ties in a bit with the, the pillars that I've been working on because uh, through hardship, that, that's exactly what I'm saying. Sometimes you're, you're planting stuff that you're expecting something and that's always a mistake, isn't it? when we're talking about magical uh, theories and stuff like that, because to expect it too much uh, really robs the magic out of it. Meaning that's just a personal opinion, but normally I don't go too far into definition proper of magic. And I'm like, what if it was only residual effect of you putting the work, putting time in the work and putting time in the betterment, the betterment of the self. And if, if that's an hypothesis, and if that's a working hypothesis, because either way, uh, working on bettering yourself will actually help you in real day-to-day -day activity and mundane task and life. 
so if that radiates outward after that, then the residual magic works anyway. Uh, it'll bring about desired income uh, outcome, but probably not the one you specifically aimed for. But I know like I'm getting a bit off topic. I just like wanted to kind of like add this to the conversation. Mm -hmm. Well, one might add to what you were just saying about fruit, the famous word by Paracelsus, it is all a question of the amount, if it is poisonous or if it is medicine. That's oh, so indeed, it's yeah. Yeah, exactly, yes, mm -hmm. uh, exactly. Hence why, you know, like just like quoted out of, uh, out of thin air and that's, that's amazing. And uh, hence why, you know, I, I still think like there's a good, there's a good reason why people still use a lot of the alchemical ling uh, lingua in a way or, uh, or uh, because because uh, it speaks to many, I, I believe, at a certain level, because in one way it can be simple and the other way it's quite complex. So it's always like easy to go back to it. Uh, I love it anyway, but eventually we'll get to talk more about alchemy, I guess. Okay, Helene and Gabriel, did you have any other things you wanted to bring up or any events or projects you wanted to mention? Well, I, I, you, do you want me to go first? Yeah. Oh, all right. Uh, well, um, yes, of course, like, why not talk about uh, the work while I'm at it? But uh, just recently, I released a brand new book from Shani Oates, which I'm going to send to you guys. Uh, it's called The Devil's Supper. And um, again, uh, sometime, uh, just manuscripts just fall on my lap. And uh, yeah, and I'm like almost shocked because like... Uh, under the cover of like a uh, mild secrecy, let's just put it this way. We are working, Shani and I, on a brand new book that I believe people will absolutely uh, look for. But uh, she produces uh, like crazy. She writes all the time and she, everything she pours uh, energy into ultimately becomes a gem. And, and uh, so I, without me expecting it at all, she just uh came up with this devil supper book that is a very weighty tome like it's uh, like it's massive it's dense with so much information and it's so relevant and i believe it was required so same as like very different from the last book that i put out of course like in all shapes and form it's very different from entering the desert but when i get this feeling that i read a manuscript and i'm like this is required reading as in like Anyone who's somewhat like interested about those subjects and topics would would need to know this, or or at least would would totally be totally uh, happy or, uh, having this in their hand and as a part of their collection from and from a learning standpoint, from so many standpoints. So so yes, this is this was massively important for me to put out, and we. Uh, we had, we suffered a bit of delay in the production, but now it's officially out. Uh, it's shipping right now. Uh, it, it it has like an amazing like a launch. Like let's say the pre-order phase was very good, so that means like a, that uh, that's always like a good indication that things are going well. Um, so I got multiple editions, of course, like you know standard, deluxe, and artisanal edition uh, of this one. And by the end of the year, of course, well pillars. You know, uh, I'm trying my best to push. For the end of this year, uh, because the plan was it for to be released uh, prior to that. But uh, it, in all transparency, the only delay that I suffered is on the production side. Really, uh, just so happened miscommunication, if you will, with uh, the uh, European provider. 
uh, of materials, of prime materials for like the covers and you know the book clocks and stuff like that. They were closed during summertime, and uh, my printer didn't like deliver the information all the time. So, uh, you know, uh, not going into too much detail, but I, I suffered a setback. So, pillars, uh, fingers triple crossed that you know I'm gonna be able to release by the end of this year, or at the very uh, latest, like at the very very beginning of 2018, if things don't go. Well, uh, after that, plenty of projects in the work. Uh, some I can divulge somewhat, you know, kind of like my, the, 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 you know, the comment, my, my own book eventually. But there, yeah, there's, I, I'm, I'm working on maybe like six or seven titles at the same time. Wow. But that's gonna be like, that's going to be uh, released uh, whenever I can, really, uh, as, as I go forward uh, in time. Many other projects, too, sometimes peripheral things around pillars or anathema same for the conference uh same for so many other things uh really things are gonna develop i really want to keep on working on the ecosystem of anathema publishing and see where that leads me yeah oh. well, that's Gab it. gabriel thank you for sending us copies of shani's book and i just want to echo your sentiments i felt like uh, when i read the abstract for the the text that uh it sounded pretty weighty and uh, very interesting. Like uh, there was going to be a lot of material there that would be, you know, even even if you didn't agree with it, you still want to you still want to read it and know what she's saying, right? Yeah, but it's not really an opinion piece either. That's what's beautiful about it. It's really like how can I say this? It's really factual and historical, and it mm -hmm. provides depth and context. And I believe sometimes we lack context nowadays. Oh, sometimes for sure. we stumble upon information. And this, these type of reference book there, you know, they can help tremendously, uh, whether in, whatever interpretation or opinion you'll have about the book afterward. But yeah, just as a reference piece, like, yeah, these are, these are amazing book to have. So I was pretty happy. That was the first book I released of, of such nature, really. One yeah. that is more historically driven. Well, so, I'm excited yeah. about it. So thank you. Well, yeah. My pleasure, guys. My pleasure. So what about you, Helen? So what about me? Well, uh, I'm, uh, there was a couple of conferences coming up that uh, people would uh, probably like to hear about and uh, that I'll be speaking at. Uh, there's the International uh, Left-Hand Path Consortium uh, that's happening in July 2018 in St. Uh, Louis, Missouri. Yes. Uh, so I'll be speaking there. Um, there will be Occulticon, uh, which is outside of uh, held outside of Toronto, about um, an hour and a half north of Toronto. That is probably, I think, going to be late uh, August or September. Uh, so I'll be speaking at that, and I think quite possibly Gabriel will as well. <laughs> well, well, that's going to be a new challenge. If ever I do this, like it's still a huge struggle for me to translate while I'm speaking. <laughs> it's getting there, but uh, it's uh, it's not perfect. So um, yeah, getting up there and just like do a full talk, I, I'm not sure. But ultimately, if I do, I'm working on a on a, kind of like a self-imposed topic, really. But like. I'm going to talk and develop more about the alchemy of bookmaking or the way I see it, the alchemy of bookmaking and truly the book as a technology, as a valid, still valid and very crucial uh, technology to, for information dissemination, for, 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 uh, for the learning process, everything, everything. This is very close to my heart. So I'm 
Pretty yeah, yeah, you'll be there, Gabriel. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, then, uh, and then there's one more conference uh, uh, still in the works, State of the Art Astrology Conference. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm also an astrologer, so uh, I'm hoping to be able to speak at that conference, which will be in October uh, 2018. And while all of these conferences are happening, I'll be writing because there will be a book coming out under Anathema Publishing aiming for 2019. Something like that, yes. Yeah. But uh, it should be very interesting. Engage, uh, like, uh, and a lot of people are pulling in also like to uh, add weight to this project. Uh, it's still way too, uh, too, too early in its infancy to like uh, mm -hmm. detail it but yeah stay tuned for that too yes excellent so that, uh, yeah those are all fun things coming up yes busy busy yes <laughs> yes exactly so thanks you guys like that that was that was a great talk and i'm uh, very i feel very privileged that you guys would invite me on this wonderful podcast i've been following for years like i mean even even before i actually got to like start practicing like it was like a long time. Well, it seems so. When did you guys started it exactly? I don't remember which year. Oh man, probably 2006. It's been a long time. Okay, so yeah, that must have been like the year that I yeah, because that was the year I quit the band. But so, yeah. So, <laughs> so anyway, thank you for the wonderful materials because I've been following you you guys for a long time and now uh, Rudolph, you know, with Paul. Uh, is, is that it? Yes, right? I, 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 very yeah. good. So, so yeah, you guys work. You know, you put in the work. You you sacrifice a lot, the time and the energy, and I believe like people should be um, very thankful of that. Yeah, and it's oh, so it's you. so wonderful. it's just fantastic. You know, from from our perspective, and I'm I'm sure for many of your guests that it's you know we we get to, to chat with you and um it really helps us you know it helps us to articulate things and it, and it helps us to get the word out in terms of different things that uh, people are working on and projects and, and so on so the uh, the appreciation is heartfelt thank you indirectly yeah, you. you almost put me into contact with craig actually because, oh wow, that's uh, wonderful! Because I had, had all, uh, I had already uh, read some uh, pieces. Uh, I believe in Atwa, like a, one of the anthology book from Scarlet and uh, was it Scarlet and Bridge or no? Tian Publishing, and and, and um, yeah, followed some of his article on Phalanx back then. But I remember distinctly remember like hearing some of his interviews and and uh, amongst these yours with him. And, I, I, you know, it was completely engaging. I loved it so much that, you know, it, it created a further momentum for me to act upon and, you know, mm -hmm. get to talk. You know. Well, I'm really grateful to hear that. Thank you. That's yeah. great. And uh, I really appreciate you guys because uh, really in, in the conversation today, I felt like you shared some things with me and Rudolph in the audience that – Maybe you weren't planning to, but that uh, I feel like were really more like teachings than they were uh, like an interview. So thank yeah. you for that. Definitely. Well, well, all right. It's, and we're eternal students as well. Yeah, it was like uh, it was uh, something, I don't know, organic, very organic. But uh, I believe perhaps the, the, the teaching aspect is not really in the, so much teaching, but the fact that I believe well, we're both um, uh, not open books. Of course, we have our uh, our secrets, of course. But <laughs> but um, yeah, why not? Why not talk about you know uh, yeah, personal be, be, life right. and, and things right. that are 
that it can be like either good things and bad things and, and share this because uh, I, again, I believe it provides context and, and, and proves that anybody can really uh, engage right. in industries. And, and you know, the thing is, is that, you know, this whole concept, this idea of magic and the occult and the occultist is, uh, has such a cloak of mystery a- around it. But the reality is that people who do this work and do it seriously, um, put an enormous amount of time and effort and sacrifice, et cetera. And uh, there are people like me and Gabriel, you know, we, we all have our well, stories well, and, and like the two of you. Greg will relate, like there is a ground level. So we need to engage mm-hmm. uh, in this. So yeah, thank you guys so much. Thank you. We are all kind of more or less open or closed books, but there are so many pages to them. Yeah, no, that's lovely. <laughs> on that note so uh should probably wrap it up but uh i'd like to keep in contact and uh talk with you guys in the future oh that goes without saying thank you so much in the chamber of reflection helene m arts gabriel mccoffrey rudolph and i continue the interview Gabriel and Helene share some secrets for aspiring publishers, artists, musicians, writers, and other creative types. Their experience is invaluable in this regard. Join us for that inspired conversation. And I'd like to remind you that although you're able to listen to this podcast at no charge, it costs time and money to create. We ask you to support our efforts and the creation of future podcasts by joining the membership section at chamberofreflection.com or subscribing via Patreon at patreon.com slash personality. And if you're already supporting the show or have done so in the past, my heartfelt thanks and I salute you. The intro music is Awakening by Paul Avgerinos and the outro music is Lucifer by Stanislav until next time